0: This cop's parody may be timeless. Today I'm talking about my love of Reno 911. This is Scott's F. Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm talking about Reno 911, talking about a show that, uh, you know, kind of came up when I was in school, both in, in high school and all that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it, it's kept coming back over the years with different iterations, or the characters have showed up and other things, and they just came back again and made a movie, another movie. So. Um, my wife and I, my wife Sharon and I are both big fans of the show, finally get a chance with a different streaming service to check it out, and you'd think it wouldn't hold up, but it holds up pretty well. So without further ado, let's get started. So I love a comfort show, a show that you know backwards and forwards, but will continue to watch over and over again because it's late or you're in a bad mood. A lot of folks from my generation love The Office, and Sharon and I love Reno 911. The central... Uh, The Comedy Central Cops parody initially ran from 2003 to 2009 and got a theatrical movie made. Since then, the characters and show have continued to come back for more runs. Fans can't get enough, and I'm one of them. Which is weird, right? In an era when progressively-minded viewers are trying to analyze media portrayals of the police with a hypercritical eye, a shop that could be pitched as cops behaving badly sounds like a terrible idea. And yet, Reno 911 has aged surprisingly well. Well, mostly. So today, I'm going to dive into why I think that is, and the few sticking points. So let's start with the setup. The show is a parody of cops that follows the members of the Reno Sheriff's Department as they handle their day-to-day calls, as well as their overblown personal and professional drama. Each member of the cast plays one of the deputies, who all fulfill a particular stereotype. Thomas Lennon plays the team's lieutenant and outwardly gay officer, Jim Dangle. Carrie Kenny Silver plays the team's wild car- card and insulting idiot, Deputy Trudy Weigel. Cedric Yarborough plays the team's resident sex symbol and player, Deputy Sven Jones. Uh, Carlos Alas... Alarquiz, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Carlos, ah, <laughs> sorry, plays the team's resident old-school man and racist, who in a supreme bit of irony is Mexican, De- Deputy James Oswaldo Garcia. Wendy McClendon-Covey plays the resident sexpot, Deputy Clementine Johnson. Niecy Nash plays our biggest talker, Deputy Rainisha Williams. And Robert ben Garant plays our resident redneck and physical punching bag, Travis Jr., in later years, they would be joined by Mary Bird Song as our closeted lesbian character, Deputy Teresha Kimball. Ian Roberts plays our gun toting hothead, Sergeant Jake De- De- Declan. And Joe LaChulio plays our overeager Frank Salvatore Rizzo. Each episode consists of a mainly f- uh, main funny storyline, ranging from everything from homeland security training to putting on a wedding, and a series of related and unrelated calls, which are essentially glorified improv sketches. And it fucking works, even now, for three big reasons. The first is that silly is timeless. The main hook of Reno is timeless. Do you want to see some shenanigans from a group of idiots? Oh, also those idiots are cops. And that's all you really need to get started, especially if you focus on physical comedy. It's kind of amazing that, in the prime of riff-heavy and intentionally offensive comedy from the mid to late 2000s, that a show that put so much effort into visual gags and physical comedy was so popular. But in truth, that's a bit part of that's a bit big part of what makes the show so timeless. Almost all of the calls rely less on wordplay or shock humor, or and more something on that's silly on site. See a naked guy running around giving people a finger, or a situation that's funny by itself. For instance, what you might accidentally say to uh, on a hot mic if you didn't know it was live. In my experience, that's always the comedy that ages best, because sensibilities change, but watching a sheriff's deputy accidentally set himself on fire is good, old-fashioned, long-lasting fun. And reason number two is that our cops are idiots. The problem with a lot of shows and media about cops is that the law enforcement as a concept, and law enforcement officers are often deified. And the show... The show, Reno 911 is parroting, uh, parodying Cops is a perfect example. Cops is a show that makes cops look nice, normal, and heroic, especially compared to the people they're trying to arrest. The theme song, uh, the theme song of the show, Bad Boys, implicit response to what you're going to do when they come for you is probably something dumb. It naturally makes the audience more likely to empathize and understand police officers. Maybe we'd even like to be like them. But no one will want to be like the Reno Sheriff's Department. Though the group has moments of humanity like putting together Weigel's Wedding or delighting in KKK members who keep injuring themselves, our lead cops are selfish asshole idiots. They are dumb, they are completely incompetent, and they are terrible people who act only out of self-interest and their worst possible instincts. And that's easy to enjoy regardless of what you think of police departments and policing as a concept. If you hate police as a concept, you've got a perfect satire of everything you hate about police. This show removes the notion that everyone who wears a badge is a perfect hero. Of course, it's here where we run into the satire problem. The satire problem is that people need to get what's being made fun of, or else they just find it funny, but for a different reason. For instance, our deputies beating up a suspect for a petty reason is maybe meant as a dark joke. Like, what kind of petty asshole does this? But even if the person in question is also an asshole. But for somebody who loves police, they might delight in someone getting, quote-unquote, what they deserve. Granted, I don't think that this is the show's fault. It does everything it can to tell you that these people should not be viewed as any kind of moral high ground, and makes it an easy sell after the surge in Black Lives Matter protests. And third is that representation isn't that hard. It's sad that a show that came out originally in 2003 kind of nailed how to cast and write a modern comedy, isn't it? For the majority of the show's run, the cast has been equal parts men and women, had three actors of color, and multiple openly queer characters, either as lead cast members or recurring bits. Not only that, but they each fall into and refute stereotypes. Thomas Lennon's Lieutenant Dangle and Cedric Yarbrough's Deputy Jones are two of my favorite examples. Everything about Dangle is a gay stereotype. His voice is effeminate, he openly flirts with men, has a deep knowledge of musical theater, and oh yeah, his sheriff's uniform has shorts. But how many gay characters do you know, especially in this era, that were portrayed as dumb as Dangle is? The key to Dangle is that he wishes he was the more dashing and talented version of the person he is. He just carries himself as better than everyone he works with. But he's just as dumb, just as incompetent, and just as likely to get caught up in something stupid. He asks a man holding him up at gunpoint if he can sing a question. It reminds me a lot of an old Patton Oswalt bit where he muses on what uh, what if the rom-com gay best friend character couldn't come up with quips on the spot. And in essence, that's Dangle. Also, for as much as the police portray themselves as hyper-masculine, Dangle, being the leader of this gang, is a great subversion. Likewise, Deputy Jones is a smooth ladies' man who dunks on white breakdancers, a black American stereotype. But he's also not as smooth as he thinks he is, is prone to very unflattering freakouts and a high-pitched voice, and in the first season has sex with Dangle because, I'll try anything once, that would be progressive now. Of course there's some stuff that hasn't aged well and it's the stuff you'd expect. The thing that gets every edgy show every time, language and time. The reaction to old edgy material typically goes one of two ways. Either what's it, what it's saying, uh, sorry, either what it's saying isn't that incendiary, many To anybody, so people don't understand why it's a big deal, or the language and sensibility behind the joke is of its time and therefore doesn't mess with modern sensibilities. Basically, when you try to push the envelope, sometimes you push in the wrong direction. With Reno 911, it's almost always language and racial humor. Either some folks are too free with epithets that would clear a room nowadays, at least more progressively minded rooms, or make jokes that lean on racist stereotypes. Even in jest, it's still awkward when it pops up. It's not often, but it does happen. Of course, I watch the show knowing that's a possibility and understand that they wouldn't write it that, the same way today. And would you look at that? They don't. Even our assholes are capable of being better than some dickheads online. So, why Reno 911 still works? This is the part where I make a broad swing about how shows that make fun of power structures rather than reinforcing them tend to age well, which is generally true, but honestly doesn't explain what makes Reno 911 special. The truth is that they found an almost ageless premise, made a silly as hell show, and made the show with a diverse group of people playing a diverse group of characters. Sometimes it's that simple